Father, this afternoon, we're just so thankful to be in the house of prayer once again. We're thankful, Father, for your word. We're thankful, Father, for songs of praise that worship you. Oh, what a Savior. We thank you today, God, for being such a good God, for loving us so much. Lord, you are the creator of all things. You took a chaotic universe and put it in order. You took darkness and you spoke light. And, Lord, we we thank you, Lord, because you're interested in our hearts and our lives. And you take that chaos that's in our lives, the chaos that's in our homes, chaos that's in our jobs, on our, in our families, God, chaos that's even in our minds, God, and you take it and you set it in order. Lord, we thank you, Lord. You are there to give us peace. You're the God of all peace. We thank you, Lord. Thank you this morning, this afternoon. Bless your word this morning. Bless your, morning, bless your word this afternoon. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, you are blessing God. You're blessing us morning, noon, and night. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank God. Amen. God bless you this morning. What a, what a Savior. That song just, just resonating in my mind. Oh, what a, what a Savior. I just want to speak to you for a few minutes. And... Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says I stand at the door and knock and if any man hear my voice and open the door I will come in and I want to look at that verse uh, for a minute and that is not my theme my theme is I stand at the door and knock but there's so much more that I want to talk about this this afternoon he says I stand at the door and knock now if you are familiar with the book of Revelation the book of Revelation written by the beloved apostle John and in the book of Revelation John uh, it starts out and it says the revelation of Jesus Christ now we know that this book is called the book of the consummation. You know, the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. It's the book of the first things. The book of Revelation at the end of the book is the book of last things. It's the book of, it's the, book of the ending of things. It's the consummation. The word revelation also means an unveiling. It's an opening up. Something that was previously hidden is now being brought to the forefront. It's, we're being enlightened. We're seeing something that we didn't see before. And so John gives us many, many characteristics, many names uh, for who Jesus is because this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says that Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you a few of the things that is that are recorded in the book of Revelation. He's the faithful witness. He's the firstborn from the dead, ruler over the kings of the earth, the first and the last the Son of God, holy and true, the Amen, the faithful and true witness, Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb, Word of God, King of kings, Lord of lords, He's the Alpha and the Omega, He's the bright and morning star, and He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are more things in the book of Revelation that give us who Jesus is. But I want to show you something. This one that is described so uh, vividly in the book, in the, in, the, in the third chapter of the book of Revelation, verse 20, 
it says, I stand at the door and knock. This one who is king of kings, lord of lords, stands at the door and knocks. Now, wait a minute. First of all, this is the third chapter, verse 20 in the book of Revelation. He's speaking to the seven churches. Now, so your first question should be, why is the king of kings, lord of lords, the bright and morning star, the lion of the tribe of Judah, standing at the church door and knocking to get in? That's a question. I'm thankful to be in three, three Ps because I know that I don't come in here and he's not standing outside knocking. He's in this place. Oh, yeah, he's here. The Lord of, the Lord of Lords is in this place. But if you're on Zoom, if you're on Facebook, in your church, they are not uh, doing the things that I'm going to describe here when I go through this. You might have that question in your mind. Is he standing at the door knocking to get in the church, or is he in the church? And we're going to take it a little step farther because he's not only trying to knock uh, at the door of the church to get in, but he's knocking at your heart. He's trying to get in your heart. Are you listening? Because he says what? If you hear my voice. And are you listening? Because you have to hear his voice. And if he, you hear his voice, some people have heard his voice. But they don't go to the door and open the door. Oh, yeah, you have to open the door for him to come in. So we know through his three years of ministry that Jesus has power and he has authority. He proved it. When he went into the synagogue, he taught like nobody else taught. He had authority. They said nobody spoke to us like this man spoke. He spoke as one that had authority. Now, why did he have this authority? Because what did he speak? He spoke the word of God to these people. Now, why did he have have authority? Because he is the word of God. So it's easy for him to speak authority when he's talking about his word. So he had authority. But he, he fed the multitudes with a few fish and a couple of loaves of bread. He had power and authority. He took, there came a point in time when there, there, there was a temple tax that was due. And he told Peter, he said, okay, go take a fishing pole, go down to the lake and throw the line in and pull out the first. And the first fish that you pull up, pull him up reach in his mouth and get a coin out and go pay your taxes. So this Lord we're talking about today has authority. He even had authority over the fish. All right? Now, uh, there was a time when Jesus was at the bottom of a boat, and he's at the bottom of the boat asleep, not knowing, well, I'm sure he probably did know, but there was a storm raging on the sea. And the disciples are in the boat, and they running around crazy, wondering if we're going to sink. They run down and get Jesus. Jesus, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus says to them, what? What? Why do you doubt? Where's your faith? And what did Jesus do? He got up on the top of the boat, and he spoke to the wind and the wave, peace. Peace, be still. Now, think about it. If you're in this water, and you're in this wind, you know, they have their own characters. Can you imagine being the wind, flying around thinking you're all tough, and then looking around and hearing a voice? He's, oh, it's Jesus. And then just boom, just stillness. He had authority. 
He had power over nature. He opened blinded eyes. He loosed the tongues of the deaf, of the dumb. He raised uh, Jairus' daughter from the dead. Now, uh, he had that kind of authority. He had that power over life and death itself. Matter of fact, he would say, I am the resurrection and the life. And he had, and finally, and this is where I want to kind of get to, he cast out demons. And I'm going to talk about that more in a second. But I want to give you some examples. I just lost my paper. It does it every time. Okay. I want to give you some examples because remember, Jesus had all this authority and we saw his miracles and we saw his the, the wonders that he did. He had power and authority and he showed them throughout all of Israel. He was all over it, even in Samaria. He saw that woman at the well in Samaria and he that woman who came to the well in Samaria for water in her, her pitcher left the pitcher there because she had found living water. So Jesus proved himself to have power and authority out all over Israel. But I want to talk to you about the fact that Jesus was not just powerful out in the wilderness and out in the, in the plains, but he was powerful even in people's homes. Jesus was a homeboy in, in, at heart, I believe. And you remember the story of uh, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus heard Jesus was coming, but he was a short man. And so Zacchaeus wanted to get a look at Jesus. And so Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, no, he wasn't just a tax collector, he was the chief of tax collectors. He was the boss of all the tax collectors. But he wanted to see this Jesus who was coming through. And so he, got, he went and jumped into a tree to see what he could see. All right, and so Jesus comes along and sees Zacchaeus up in the tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. We're going to your house, and we're going to have a little food. That's what he said, because Jesus was just as good inside the house as he was outside the house. So I want to talk to you and give you some examples of how this Jesus was personable, and he was just as good at home in people's homes as he was outdoors. Mark 1.29, now this is a story where uh, Peter's mother-in-law was sick and had a fever. He went to, her went to the house and he healed her of her fever. That was in Mark 1.29. Mark 5 and 40, he, he goes into the house and he didn't just go into the house. This is where uh, Jairus' daughter dies. It says, uh, and so he goes into the house, and these people are inside the house, and they're weeping. You know, they had professional mourners in those days. They weren't really hurt, but they would, they, I don't know if they paid them or what, but they would go in, and they would boo-hoo when somebody would die. So they're in the house. Jesus goes in the house, and he says, to, he goes in with the mother and the father, and with his disciples, those that were with him, and he says, she is not dead. She's just asleep. And what did they do? And this is where I pick it up on verse 40 in chapter 5. It says, they began laughing at him, but putting them all, he said, get out. Get out. He, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. So I say that because he was not only in the house in this episode, 
he went in her room. So God, so Jesus wants to be in the house, but he also wants to be in the room. And I'm going to say a little bit more about that in a minute. But there is a, a, a there, Jesus wants to be in the house, but there's somebody else that also wants to be in the house. Luke 11, chapter 11, verse 24 and 20, through 26. Jesus had just cast out a demon of dumbness, and the man was able to speak. After he cast out the demon of dumbness, the religious leaders said, yeah, he casting out demons with the spirit of demons, with the chief of demons. In other words, he's saying Jesus was casting out demons with Satan's power. And so in verse 24, it says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return. Listen to this closely here. I will return. This is a demon who, has take, who had taken possession of a man's body, causing him to be dumb. He says, I will return to my house. This demon had taken possession and taken ownership of this man's body. So why am I saying that? I'm saying that, that Jesus wants to come into your house, your body, your living condition, and dwell there. But there's somebody else that also wants to take possession and live there as well. You have to be aware of that. He says, then he goes and takes with him. Listen to this. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there, and the last state was worse than the first. Now this is a, this is a scenario that is it's hard for us to grasp, to understand it. But think about people that you know that there's always chaos in their, li in their lives. You know, there's some people that have chaos. They have, uh, uh, there's always something going on. And if there's nothing going on, they'll make something going on. If there's no chaos, they'll start some chaos. But that's because there are spirits that are out there that we're not, you don't see them, so you don't think about them. But there's some demonic things going on around us. And we have to be spiritually aware. You have to have eyes that see. And sometimes you have to stay away from those environments because they're, they're not good places. So, now I want to turn your attention to Mark chapter 2. I'm going to give you another example of an, an episode where Jesus goes into someone's home and what happens. This is Mark chapter 2. I must be reading the 12 verses and I'm almost done, believe it or not. Starting with verse 1, and I'm reading the New Living Translation. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back at home. And I like, new, I like King James Version on this one. It says that when uh, uh, the news spread quickly that he was in the house. Jesus was in the house. And so I get excited when I hear that Jesus was in the house. Verse 2 says, soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. 
While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? Now, remember this, what I'm saying here. It didn't say they said this. They thought to themselves, What is this? What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. They got that right. They got that right. But they didn't know that Jesus also heard their thoughts. <laughs> uh, but some of the teachers of religious law who sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? It's really something. That, that would really be, you feel kind of funny somebody tell you, why are you feeling that way and you didn't say nothing? <laughs> but they know how you feel. Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? Now, now look, this is Jesus we're talking about. Remember we just went through that list of who Jesus was? He's the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He's the bright morning star. He's the Lion of the tribe. This Jesus is who we're talking about here. And he said, is it easier, any easier for me to say, thy sins be forgiven, or pick up your mat and walk? Wait a minute. This is the same one that in the beginning spoke, and the universe came to be. So is it any harder for him to say one thing or another? Because this is Jesus. This is the one. But, but look, he loves it to come into the house. He does stuff in the house. Let's see, verse 10. Pick up your Madden 1. Verse 10 says, so I will prove to you. Listen to this. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now look. Why does he have to bring up the fact that he, that the Son of Man has power on earth? Everybody's on earth. Of course we're on earth. But see, why, why, why he say that is because Jesus didn't start on earth. John, the same writer of, of the book of Revelation, he says in the beginning, in verse 1 of John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God before time began. So he and all things were made by him. And so he is it easier for him to say your sins be forgiven? And listen, this is very important that we understand this. What is the purpose of the healing? The purpose of the healing is to prove that he had power over sin. That's the purpose. Sin is the problem. Not the not the bodies being healed. The sin is the problem. He's, and so I'm going to prove to you that I have authority on earth to forgive sins by healing this man. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. <laughs> and the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. 
They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. And I'm sure they had. And so as I wrap this up, this is what happens when Jesus is in the house. Stuff happens when Jesus is in the house. When you look at what we just read, what happened? The first thing is the, the, that Jesus is in the house and the house is packed. But what happened? Jesus is speaking his word. He's preaching the word. This is what happens when Jesus is in the house. If Jesus is in your house, the word should be in the house. When, and the next thing, after Jesus spoke the word, their faith was, 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 was stirred. These men brought this man through the roof because they were just like the woman with the issue of blood. He said, she said what? If I could just get if I could just touch, I don't even have to hear him talk. I don't have to have him touch me. I just need to touch the hem of his garment. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. And they knew that if they could just get this man in front of Jesus, he would be made whole. And they let him out right in front of Jesus. And Jesus did what? Seeing their faith. And they knew why they were there. They knew why they had dropped right there. And Jesus says, son, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. This is what happens when Jesus is in the house. Sins are being forgiven. When Jesus is in the house, the lame will walk. The dumb will talk. The blind will be given sight. Demons have to flee. The dead are raised from the dead and become alive again. And at the end of that, the, at the end of the, this, this chapter, the last thing, the glory of God. God gets the glory. And that's what it's all about. It's not about you and me. It's not about you go, you know, I prayed and they got healed. I prayed in the deep. No, it's not about you. Give God the glory. God is the, God's the healer. God gives the power. God gives us the Holy Spirit. So these things happen. When Jesus is in the house, things start to happen. And so that verse we started with, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door. He's not just talking about the church here. He's also talking about our hearts. Because Jesus is not, Jesus who created everything, he doesn't break the door down. He doesn't barge in. He doesn't make you open the door. He doesn't, no, he stands at the door and knocks. He's a gentle Savior. He's, a, he's, he's tender hearted. He's kind. He's even kind to the wicked, the evil, ungrateful. We were look, we were reading in uh, the book of Jonah yesterday with the men's group. God wanted to save these wicked Ninevites, and Jonah said, "No, you're not saving them. Do you?" It's like Jonah was thinking, "No, I know you know what these people are like." These people were wicked. These people skinned people alive. They would take people and take and skin them while they were living. 
They would cut off their ears, cut off their nose, cut fingers off. They would cut off their arms. They would pile heads, pile bodies. They would, this is what they would do. Matter of fact, I was reading to them yesterday, and I'm trying to hurry up, but I'm not doing a good job. I was reading to them yesterday that, that uh, they bragged about their wickedness, and they wrote them on monuments where they would brag. Yeah, I stacked up their bodies in piles. I stacked up their, I put their heads on poles. I, I cut off their fingers. I cut off their arms. This is how wicked they were. This is why Jonah didn't want to go. Because, no, he said, if I go and preach and they repent, you're going to hold off and you're not going to punish them. I'm showing you that God loves the wicked. He loves them. Jesus didn't just die for good people. What does the Bible say? It says, all have sinned. Some sins look bigger than others, but we've all sinned. We're all sinners. But Jesus wants to be in the house. And he not only wants to come into the house, he wants to come into your heart. And he not only wants to come into your heart where you open the door and tell him to have a seat and sit in that room. He wants to be, he wants to be present in every room in your house. We have rooms in our minds, rooms in our hearts. We have rooms in our lives where we, we, we don't mind Jesus coming over here, but I don't think I'll let him in this door. I'm going to keep this door locked. No, Jesus wants to be present. When he went to raise this little girl from the dead, he went in the room. Let him into the room, especially the ones that you don't think, you, that you're not proud of. Let him in. He'll fix the problem. You think it's messy? Let him go clean it up. He'll clean it up for you. You got an alcohol problem? He will fix it. But you got to open the door. You got to let him in. And you got to let him into you to everything. Don't you, you know you 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 invite him in and you say, Lord, do this, do this, but you don't talk about the other stuff. You got to talk about the stuff that you don't want to talk about. Remember something. He already knows anyway. You're not informing him of anything. But when you tell him, Lord, I need help here, what you're doing is you're surrendering and say, Lord, I know I can't do it. I know I need your help. And that's when he wants. That's, that, that's exactly what he does best. He fixes broken things. He fixes broken hearts. He, brick, he fixes broken relationships, broken marriages. He fixes broken bodies, broken minds. That's what he does. Let him in. He wants to be at home in your heart. And when he comes and makes himself home in your heart, then Remember who everything about who God is will be inside you. God is what? Love. If you invite him in, you're inviting love in. And when you invite love in, those around you will sense. Oh, I need this. They'll just look. You'll be just like a light where the you know where moths kind of fly around the light. You know, they're attracted by that light. That's what will happen around you if the love. He said, he said, he will make, he, he will make you love your enemies. He'll make your enemies be at peace with you. His, if, 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 he, if you let him in, your, the compassion of God will flow through you. Like mighty waters. 
those that are weak and hurting will, will, will be helped. The downtrodden, those that are depressed, they need that. They need it coming through you. We'll see what it means when it says, he says, I'll give you beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. I'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He'll turn your dark nights into bright days. Open your heart to him. Let him in. He'll come in and he'll sup with you and he'll fix it. All of the things, every room, let him in every room. Everything that concerns you concerns him. He cried when Lazarus died, knowing he was going to raise him, but he's still hurt. He feels what you feel. He wants to cry when you cry. He wants to laugh when you laugh. He wants to be with you. He wants to commune with us. He called his disciples. He says, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we don't. God in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. God bless you. Let him in. He's knocking at the door. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Sister Amanda, what a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. As Sister Mireya prepares to give us the altar appeal, Let's just let's just sing that together for a moment. Jesus knows, Jesus 
grass knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Sister Mireya. Praise the Lord. What a beautiful message. That message is simply what God made. Revelation 3.20 Behold, I stand at the door not. You know, this is a genuine invitation to us as individuals so that we might receive Christ genuinely as Savior and Lord to stop, to dine, to have fellowship and enjoy Christ's blessing. You know, what a friend that is to the promise to sit with Christ in his throne. See, we refers to reigning with Christ in his kingdom. Saints, heaven is real. God's kingdom is real. The devil is real. Hell is real. So you heard the message. Jesus is knocking at our door. He is inviting us in. Will you open your door and let him in? He wants to take hold of your heart and your mind, your being. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be yours. So let's, let's yield to him. Just yield to what he's asking us to do because he loves us so. He loves us so, Saint. So anyone that need or have, have you heard the message? Jesus is real. He's not, he's not just fiction, a fictitious person there. He is here. He is inviting us. He knocks at our door. He keeps after us until we completely yield to him. So let's, let's yield to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody that have not received Jesus Christ, the time is now. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace, God. In the name of Jesus, oh God, stretch out your hand. Stretch out your mighty hand, God. You're knocking on our doors and we're, we're saying, come on in. Come on in, Jesus. You're what's been missing in my home, in my heart, in my life. God, we say thank you today. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, God, for your word. God, we thank you for sweet fellowship in the house of the Lord. We thank you, God, for who you are. And because of who you are, we give you glory. We give you praise. You alone are worthy of all of the praise. So, Father, we ask even now, as we prepare to leave this place, but not your presence, God, stretch out your hand. Bless Sister Sapati right where she's at, Lord. In the emergency room again, won't you minister to her, Lord? The doors are open there in that place. And, Father, we pray that you would just go up and down the corridors of that hospital and touch the lives of men, women, boys, and girls. In the name of Jesus, that somebody will know that Jesus is in the house, that Jesus showed up on this day. In the name of Jesus, Father, we pray for Sister Teresa in her time of bereavement and her family, Lord, the Rodan family, Lord. God, won't you send your word of comfort? Won't you send your word of peace? We, we must. But, Father, we don't sorrow as those that have no hope. And we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your sweet anointing. We pray your choices, blessings upon all of your people that are dialed in by whatever means it may be on today and those that are here in the house of the Lord. Oh, God, won't you just continue to bless? Won't you continue, God, to, to look down upon us, Lord? Have mercy upon us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the praise. We magnify your name, God. We, we thank you for how you sustain three Ps. In the midst of a pandemic, God, we say thank you. The lights are still on. The doors are still open. And the saints are beginning to, to trickle back in. <clears throat> and God, you have protected us, and we say thank you. We ask that you continue to bless, Father, those who, who have lost loved ones in this critical time that we've lived in. Won't you comfort their hearts and their minds? Draw them closer to you each and every day. So, Father, we just give you praise. We we ask you to bless the offering and tithes that come into the house of the Lord. We just ask you again to bless these, your people, in a very special way. Now, may the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Ghost rest, rule, and abide with us, both henceforth, now, and forever. And all the saints of God together, let us say amen.